Clayton. John Clayton. Hey, Mom, I'm done with my this is the Coors Light Cold Hard Facts with John Clayton. Brought to you by Coors Light. Made to chill. It is time, everybody. We talk to him every day here with Wyman and Bob on 710 ESPN Seattle. The one, the only, Professor John Clayton is here with us. Hello, John. Hello. Welcome to Black Thursday. I know. It's just it's trickling into Black Tuesday. Black Thursday is the Texans fire uh, David Culley after just one season. And, John, I'm, I'm curious, what were their expectations? They won four games last season when they had Deshaun Watson throw 33 touchdowns, seven picks, over 4,000 yards. They still only won four games they bring in a new head coach they don't have Deshaun Watson they've got a third round rookie as their quarterback and they win four games I'm, I'm trying to imagine that they had higher expectations considering what was going on with the roster I don't think they did I think they had no expectations and so that's why they hired David Culley who's never been a head coach gave him you know ironically I guess they gave him a five-year contract worth 22 million bucks <clears throat> and now there's a there's a debate with media right now whether he only has a $4 million guarantee next year or 17 more million guaranteed. So that's that's still for debate. But again, it was unfair to him because he didn't have a roster. And he's got one of the worst rosters in the league. And what did they expect him to do? He got the culture of the team a little bit better. He got them playing together. The players seemed to like him. And then they fire him. Yeah, and he equaled the total again. You know, the fact that he did it, not that winning four games is magical by mm-hmm. any stretch, but considering he did it with a third-round rookie quarterback and it was the the equivalent of what the team did the previous year with one of the great young quarterbacks in the league and Deshaun Watson, I, I don't know what their expectations were, but from the outside, maybe there are problems we're not aware of behind closed doors, but from the outside, this looks bogus. This, well, yeah, this, this looks ridiculous. Well, I guess... I mean, the one argument, which, of course, again, I don't think anybody supports Houston management because how bad they are. And so because of that, I mean, uh, can you really have faith in anything that they do? So now what ends up happening is that I guess one of the things is they wanted him to fire the offensive coordinator, Tim Kelly, who actually got some interest for head coaching jobs uh, because they finished 32nd on offense. And he didn't want to fire any of his coaches. So they said, okay, fine. Then you're fired. And so it has to be more than just the one thing, but it's so unfair to him. Yeah. Well, and the rookie third-round quarterback, what do you think about him? Davis Mills, John. I mean, he was 2-9, and nine, yeah. but guy was 67%, 16 mm-hmm. touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and I feel like he, he did himself a lot of good as a rookie yeah. especially. Well, he helped himself. There's no question about it. Uh, now, the question is, how good is he? Uh, still to be debated, and we'll see if they get more talent, if he can actually you know, start getting some things up for wins and things like that. <clears throat> the interesting thing is now, with the firing of David Culley, you, you know that uh, they're going to bring in a former Patriot guy. It's, it's automatic. And right now, the favorite candidate seems to be Jared Mayo, the linebacking coach of the uh, New England Patriots, former player. <clears throat> really is I guess you can't say that he's from the Belichick tree in the sense that he was a player first and then became a coach as opposed to Joe Judge and Bill O'Brien and you know all the guys like that the Brian Flores and stuff Flores I think is now probably in that he's in the, he's in the top two to be able to go there but you know it's going to be a New England guy hmm. what a what a ugh, that franchise my oh, goodness. It's awful. 
what, what do you make of uh, Chris Ballard's comments uh, in regards to Carson Wentz not really committing to him yeah. as a starter for 2000? I mean, they gave up a first and a third-round pick in this year's draft to bring in Wentz. I know he, he, the season just went flat. Uh, but the idea that all of a sudden they're going to go, well, I'm not sure if he's our guy or not. They're not going to commit to him. What do you think? Uh, it's interesting because, again, he's got a $15 million base guarantee. And so because of that, it's like uh, if they cut him, which they won't cut him, they have to trade him. It's like uh, they, uh, they, they stand to lose a lot of money. And I know they have plenty of cap room and stuff like that, but I just find it real curious. But you can see how bad that season ended and how the owner's upset, the coach is upset, the uh, GM's upset, everybody's upset. Yeah, they looked so good, too. What a shame. Yeah. Especially, come on, losing to Jacksonville? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that that's brutal. Um, hey, uh, Cliff Kingsbury called J.J. Watt very limited yeah. in return to practice. And we had, what was it, three different injuries that, that he yeah. had on that shoulder? And so, yeah, maybe uh, maybe not this week, but next week? Or do you think they're thinking, hey, man, this might be our only chance? No, I mean, not this week and maybe not even next week. Because I think even Kingsbury did say it may take a while for him to be able to be out there and play. You know, you know, they put the designated off the injured list, which, you know, gives them 21 days to get there. But, you know, first they've got to win a playoff game to be able to get to 21 days. Yeah. Uh, John, we were reading those stories earlier about, you know, the NFL making provisions, uh, you know, sort of plan B and C if, if for some reason COVID got out of hand and mm-hmm. they couldn't have the, the Super Bowl at SoFi. Now the story is, yes, it's going to happen at SoFi. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, no surprise there. I mean, there's so much money invested you know, with the stadium and everything else. And, you know, think about ownership down with the Rams. <clears throat> because, again, you pay $4 billion for the stadium. Now you get the Super Bowl. You get a chance with all the areas around there, the particularly that uh, they've invested in and all that stuff, to make some money back. And then all of a sudden you move it. Well, it's, that's not going to go over too well. And then Jerry Jones gets the benefit of getting a Super Bowl. But, no, I think that it's wise that they're staying in Los Angeles and not moving and uh, you know giving it a chance to do the best they can. We'll see how it works as far as what they're going to do with the fans and everything else. But the uh, Super Bowl's on right now for Los Angeles. I, I, we touched on this yesterday, but speaking of Los Angeles, yeah. Eric Weddle said, Raheem Morris, who's the uh, defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. asked if I'm fat and out of shape. I said no, and the Rams signed me. <laughs> wow. Good scouting report. Yeah, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that that guy's so smart. He's almost like uh, in the same category, uh, in my mind anyway, as mm-hmm. we were talking yesterday about Richard Sherman. Yeah. Possibly, you know, being a coach. Um, same thing with uh, Adrian Peterson. You know, maybe they sign him, and if they cut him next year, then he, you know, is like a consultant or coach or something right, like right, that. Right. But Eric Weddle seems like you know he could he could very easily follow that same path. Oh, agreed. Yeah, I mean, so uh, we'll see if he does. But uh, yeah, I, I can I can see that happening because again, he's a bright guy. You know, he's been out of football now a couple of years. He gets back in the game, and by getting back in the game, he gets to see some coaches and see if they're interested and see if yeah. he can get back into the coaching area. Yeah, it sounds like maybe his wife also kicked him out of the house. Could be. <laughs> I, was, I was talking about that with Adrian Peterson where his wife's like, honey, you're not happy unless you're around football. So, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Hey, John, with, with now Mike Tomlin being the only black head coach in the NFL, what 
Do you expect any changes? I mean, I, I assume you know there there should be more, yeah, because some of the some of the premier candidates are African American for for some of these vacancies. But you know, we've had the Rooney Rule. We've talked about that over the years. What what do you think needs to happen? Are there are there obvious coaching candidates, guys that are absolutely worthy of having that job that have been? I mean, Bienemy is the guy last mm-hmm. year everybody thought would get the job somewhere. He did not. Are there other names out there that you feel have been passed over that should have a job? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think certainly. Uh, you look at two two coaches down in Tampa Bay, Byron Lefwich for one, the defensive coordinator for the other. I think that he should do it. I do think that Brian Flores, or, or not uh, not necessarily Brian Flores, but uh, Jared Mayo, so that'll get a black coach down in Houston. You hope there's going to be more because again, it's like uh, you know if you if you hire a black coach from another team, uh, you know the team that loses the coach ends up, or from the person, ends up getting a third-round compensatory pick, which that's an incentive. But again, it doesn't benefit the uh, the black head coaches. I still contend <clears throat> they're not doing a good enough job of making guys go through the ranks and become coordinators. Because obviously, you know, the, the one thing you want if you're going to be a head coach is that you want to be a coordinator, and then you have a chance to be a head coach because it's hard to go from special teams to a head coaching job unless you're Joe Judge and goes 4-12 and 12 and take the New York Giants to their lowest moment in franchise history. <clears throat> but, uh, no, I think that if you can be an offensive or a defensive coordinator, and there's just not enough of them. The only thing I would say about Leftwich is that he's a he's a pretty young guy. It's not like he's been one of those longtime assistants that never gets an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's still he's still a young guy in his coaching career, and he's not a guy who's been up for a job every mm-hmm. year and getting passed over. I'm not saying he's not worthy, but he's just he's on the younger end of things. He is, but young young right now is part of this league. I mean, a lot of the owners like to hire young coaches, right? right. Young, young offensive play callers. Yeah, just saying he's not. It's not like a guy. Man, this guy's put in all these years. Yeah, yeah. And he's just not getting a look. That's that's not the case with him. Is is my point? No, agreed, agreed. But uh, you know, I I, mean, I guess because I know him from his Pittsburgh days, and you know, knew him when he was in Jacksonville and all those different things. You know, I really like him, and so that's why I'm hoping he and Bieniemy definitely get head coaching jobs. Yeah, well, and those guys have also been victims of going deep into the playoffs right mm-hmm. yeah and so you know that and that's that's much to their to their credit certainly but uh yeah Bienemy, i mean he's kind of a fiery guy do you think he's uh i i feel like he's head coach material because you know you look at um uh, like mike vrabel mm-hmm. i feel like that team really reflects uh, his personality, and and I think you know our uh, the Seahawks reflect Pete. You know, always yeah. positive, you know, always compete and everything. But uh, yeah, Bianami, I feel like would be one of those guys that uh, could get you know one of those guys, kind of a screamer on the yeah, sidelines, yeah, but yeah. but in a good way. No, I would agree. And I, and again, having talked to him, and I mean uh, through the years and all that stuff, I mean he's a bright guy. He knows the Andy Reid system. He knows how to adjust from it. You know, he's got some play calling ability. So it's like, no, I think that he'd be a great head coach. But I don't know why it just doesn't go well in the interviews for him. Yeah. Hey, uh, we were talking about uh, Brock Hewitt had a quote, uh, cut number two, uh, that he doesn't think Jody is going to keep everything the same this year. She's going to be the one in the team around her, and she has been, over the course in, uh, of her decades in business, she's been a tough cookie. Been a tough cookie, and I don't think status quo is going to be – so your question, is Russ fine? Is he going to go down without a fight if it's all status quo? I don't think it is going to be status quo. Not status quo, um, 
but not anything drastic, you know, because no. the, the thing with, we keep talking about the big three. Yeah. You know, I, I think, look, if Schneider, you know, somehow got an offer somewhere, I don't, uh, you know, him getting fired would be ridiculous. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, if he got an a, a offer somewhere where he had total control, maybe you'd lose him that way. But those three are pretty safe. But, I, you know, as far as, you know, not status quo, I'm just... I'm just curious. I don't know how much thought you put into, you know, is does that mean coordinators, do you think? Do you think it means coaches? Do you think it means some kind of a shift? Bob was talking about maybe if you give uh, John Schneider um, autonomy over all of the decisions, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it could be something like that. What do you think? I think, you know, I, that's what I think there's a decent chance that that can happen because eventually it, w- it is going to happen in this franchise. And if it needs to happen now, I mean, again, I mean, you don't want to have John Snyder uh, picking the coaches for the most part. You want to have Pete Carroll pick the coaches. But if he's willing to step back a little bit on the authority, then and John, you know, do more of the, you know, do more of the main decisions, I think that could work out well. So, you know, again, if you're going to be Pete Carroll, you want to be able to get the staff that you want. And there's got to be changes in the staff. And so because of that, you know, things got sloppy last year as far as coaching and things of that nature. So it's like uh, that's the one change that I think could happen. Obviously, Russell Wilson's not going to be traded. I mean, come on, Brock. I mean, same thing thing with John. Sorry, Bob. Uh, With Schneider and and Pete. You know, Bob and I were talking about that also that. Like these guys have been, you know, we always get, uh, you know, pissed here yeah. because they're never coach or GM mm-hmm. of the year. But I mean, these are these three are like, if you can get a head coach, a GM, and a quarterback like these guys, you hang on to them. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, that's why I don't see any big change there. I mean, the only changes I think is a little bit of an adjustment in who's making the decisions and uh, how that's being done, and that I can see. How do you think Pete would handle that? I mean, that's uh, he's he's still obviously completely involved and has has a lot of juice in the building if that's the case. Yeah. But it's it's still a blow to an ego to essentially be told, "Hey, you're no longer the 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 last word on player personnel." That mm-hmm. that that now goes to this guy. Does that how do you think that goes over I, with? Him? I think it's a negotiation you know, because it's like uh, Jody saying, "Hey, now Pete, do you feel comfortable with this?" And then you get his response. And, you know, Pete's not a, I mean, would you all agree? Pete's not a big ego guy, right? He's a he great coach. He doesn't come off that way, but I'm no. sure he's no. got ego like anybody. Well, everybody has ego, but again, it's like, yeah. uh, but it's not a big ego. And, you know, he's 71 years old. I mean, you know, just concentrate on coaching. And, yeah. you know, it's like you, you, you still have your hand in all the, uh, personnel decisions and you know you you work with John and John works with you I mean that's worked so well for over a decade so it's like uh, you know I, I think that uh, you know he can put that aside and be able to consider doing it yeah I, I do think Pete's pretty humble we were just talking about uh, when we interviewed him one time John and he said something about yeah well there it is stub to nub and then we keep talking and he goes stub to nub what am I saying what was that <laughs> what uh-huh, does that uh-huh. mean <laughs> yeah I mean I feel like yeah he's very he's very humble he's very self-effacing like you said I mean if you're in the NFL you have an ego I right mean, you know but um, yeah I, I feel like he's been very thoughtful and kind of questions you know him Himself and uh, I feel like in that regard, and I, not too much, but just the right amount to to be able to figure out. Okay, what am I missing here? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, 
Yeah, I, I like I like Pete. Hey, we were talking about earlier. Um, or actually, I was posed uh, this question today: Who is the unsung hero? Do you think on this Seahawk team? And I, I'll tell you who I picked was Al Woods. Um, you know, because that number ninety nine jersey of his, you couldn't see the ninety nine very often because yeah, he yeah. was getting held inside and the big battle going on. But he had a career high three passes broken up, a career high fifty tackles, career high with quarterback hits, and he got one and a half sacks. But you know, he he was just kind of you know did all of the dirty work in there. But uh, anybody else that you can think of this year, John, that you thought played really well and maybe didn't get, you know, as much credit as yeah, he probably deserved. Jordan Brooks. I mean, yeah. he, he played great because he's kind of in the shadow of Bobby, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And I'd say, you know, DJ Reed when he was healthy and has been healthy, I think that, uh, you know, he, he's, he's been one that, you know, should get a lot of credit for a lot of different things. You know, certainly you, you can't really tout anybody on the offensive line, uh, end of the season, certainly Rashad Penny, but, uh, no, I think that, uh, you know, my vote would be, you know, to go with uh, Jordan Brooks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think on the O-line, though, Jake Curran played well. He wasn't yeah, out there all year, but he he played better than – Shell was such a disappointment. I don't know if that was because he was playing injured or if he just took a step back like everybody else on the line seemed to. But it, he's a free agent. I wonder if the way Curran played sort of in the eyes of, of Pete and John makes Shell expendable. Do you think they oh, yeah, make do. an attempt to bring him back no. or they let him go? I think they let him go. And, and Kern is your now is now well, your right I mean, tackle. Well, I mean, let's see what they do in the draft and free agency. But uh, you know, I think that uh, you know, I think there's a comfort level with here him at right tackle. But again, maybe not a comfort level enough to give him the job for sixteen, seventeen weeks. Yeah, if if you're going into free agency in the draft, what do you think is the biggest priority, John? Because we, we were thinking. You want to protect your most precious asset mm-hmm. in Russell Wilson. Right. You also want to, you know, you want to run the ball. And so I feel like offensive line is maybe the, the biggest focus this offseason. Yeah, but if you and, don't bring Rashad Penny back, which I think they will, then uh, then you have to put running back right up there, too. But I think right now offensive line is the main one. And then cornerback. Yeah. How, I mean, set, how set do you think they're going to feel at running back, if, even if they bring back Penny then you've got two running backs who, when healthy, are good. Carson was very good. Mm-hmm. But both of them have an injury history to where you're like, all right, are either of these guys going to be available all season? Are they both going to get hurt again? I mean, it's sort of an unsettled spot. Two guys who, who talent-wise, got everything you need. Yeah. Dur- durability-wise, big questions. Yeah, but also it's like uh, – but you also have you know Travis Homer. You also have DJ Dallas. And so you've got your four running backs if you bring back Penny – and so, uh, and if Carson's going to be available, and then you certainly, you know, look at bringing back Alex Collins. Yeah. Um, what about, and then the other, I, I would think the, the second, well, you said corner for you. Yeah. I, I, I still think pass rush, though, and that's something that's been sort of a John Schneider deal that, you know, he always says, you can't have enough pass rushers. And, you know, now Daryl Taylor, he, he kind of, uh, cooled off at the end there but you know he was he was really good mm-hmm. um so but w- what about that what have any uh, anybody yeah. come to mind as far as pass rushers not i mean nobody comes to mind right now because again just you know like Pete carroll did say uh i 
I think it was was it yesterday or something like that that it's like uh, you know there's oh there I mean he's he made, he made it sound like there's not enough cap room but of course I mean what he was ending up saying is that uh, you know they've got the seventy million dollars of cap room it's just a matter there's a lot of guys they've got to resign and those guys are going to eat up a lot of cap room but they'll have extra cap room to go outside and bring some other guys in I don't think they're going to overdo it I don't think they're going to overpay but I think that they definitely could bring some more guys in. Hey, John, before we let you go, what, what what do you make of D. Eskridge this year? Obviously, he dealt with injury. He was yeah. out. But he played in 10 games, and he almost didn't even notice it. He yeah. almost I, I can't think of a play. Like, usually, we hey, remember that play in this game or remember that play in that game? I don't remember any of them. I mean, he was about as anonymous as it gets. Yeah. That, yeah. that was their first overall pick. Do you put that on on the coaching staff just not really getting him that involved you put it on on i mean 10 games it's not like it was just two or three games but he had a he had a total of 10 catches in yeah 10 but games. again it's tough for rookies i mean rookie wide receivers do have a tough time i mean if you go back even in a daryl bevel era it's like uh you rarely saw anybody do well as a rookie i think doug baldwin did but it's it's very hard to do it i know tyler lockett did but it's like you know if you're going to be a rookie it takes you really until your second year unless you're a top 10 pick yeah yeah that that is kind of interesting you do see that around the league yeah yeah just uh you you kind of forget about the guy you forget that he was their first overall pick and Mm -hmm. yeah injury was part of it certainly but man i was hoping for a little bit more of a of a show but we'll we'll see what goes on john we appreciate it we'll talk again tomorrow okay sounds good all right there you go if you missed any of today's cold hard facts brought to you by coors light made to chill download the podcast at 710sports.com well the meeting is happening today between jody allen pete carroll and john schneider so even if there aren't the big changes of the big three we're talking about out there, uh, can there still be a change made that's going to make a difference with this roster? We're going to talk about that next with Wyman and Bob on 710 ESPN Seattle.